During Robert Brogdon's Olathe Buick GMC clearance event, save up to 20% on new models like the 2023 Buick Encore GX or GMC Sierra 1500. View their huge inventory at robertbrogdon.com and find your perfect match. Garrettson and Toth presents The Shift with Jack Johnson on ESPN Kansas City, 1510 AM and 94.5 FM. We are back with another edition of The Shift on 94.5 FM and 1510 AM ESPN Kansas City. I'm your host, Jack Johnson, alongside Marco Marquez. Shout out to our presenting sponsors, starting with Garrettson and Toth. They handle the most complex felony, federal, or state criminal defense cases. You'll find them in doing that successfully, helping criminal defendants all over the Kansas City area and northeast Kansas for years. Also, be sure to visit Kim Howard and Associates Agency at 150 Metcalf in Overland Park. Or give Kim and her team a call at 913-649-2002. That's 913-649-2002 for a quote on your home and auto insurance today. And if you call that number and mention that you heard their ad here on The Shift, Kim and her team will give you a free $10 gift card to Starbucks to use on whatever you would like, whether that be coffee, tea, breakfast items. It's your $10. All you got to do is call that number and mention their name and our name. Uh, by calling the number of 913-649-2002 for a quote on your home and auto insurance today. Well, we did get word yesterday from Andy Reid and from the man himself, Patrick Mahomes, that he's been feeling much better, not walking around with much of a limp, still has the high ankle sprain, but he was a full participant in practice yesterday ahead of this colossal showdown with the Cincinnati Bengals, the fourth time these teams have met in the last two years. The Bengals have won the first three. But it'll be a rematch of the AFC Championship game from last year. Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, Jamar Chase, Travis Kelsey, Zach Taylor, Andy Reid. Just two heavyweights going at it toe-to-toe in perhaps the most hostile environment in sports. Cold weather game. We've already dove into what we believe has to happen for the Chiefs. To win this football game, we did our three keys at the beginning of the show yesterday. We'll have our three heroes to the game tomorrow. But to kick off the show this morning, let's hear from number 15, Patrick Mahomes, talking about his injury, talking about how he feels, and of course, previewing this matchup with the Bengals. So without further ado, here is Patrick Mahomes. I'm doing good, you know, AFC Championship Week, ready to go. How's the ankle? It's doing good, you know, I've got a few days of treatment, a few days of rehab, uh, excited to get on the practice field and kind of test it out uh, and uh, see where I'm at, but uh, it's feeling good so far. You, you expressed that you'd start treatment the night after the game. Can you just kind of bring us through what that night was and then these last few days, what, what you've been doing? Yeah, I was able to do some extra testing just to make sure everything was good uh, not after the game and then get a few things done uh, to help the treatment kind of start off. And then the next few days has just kind of been, I mean, all-day thing where you're just doing either treatment or rehab or watching film. And uh, I, I had to take Brittany a few places with me so I can be around the kids a little bit. But uh, it's a full-day thing where you're trying to make sure that you're obviously prepared for the Bengals and the great football team uh, mentally and physically. Patrick, what do you, feel, Patrick, what do you think? the toughest injury that you've had to play through before, how that might serve you for Sunday? Uh, probably my toe would probably be the, the toughest injury. I remember when I had the toe, I was like having to, I had to curl my toes when I walked. So that was probably the, the toughest injury that I, I had to play through. 
Um, but I've dealt with a lot of them, and, and uh, you kind of have to mentally just get yourself to focus on what needs to be focused on, and that's the team that you're playing. And you prepare your body all week, and then when you get to Sunday, uh, you focus on playing the football game, and uh, that's what I'm going to try to do this week. Is this all com- at all comparable to the injury you had against Jacksonville a few years ago? Yeah, it's very similar, just a different ankle, um, especially when you're different ankles in the quarterback position, you're playing and throwing off different stuff. Um, so the last one, I, it was a leg that I landed on, so I had to find ways to throw where I could land and keep it in the right spot. And this time I'll have to find ways to be able to push off and be able to still make the throws the right way. So uh, definitely uh, similar in a sense, but obviously different limitations and stuff that I'll have to work through. Yeah, this is the first time, I guess, in, in your uh, career that you've come into a playoff game as a limit dog, especially as a home underdog, basically due to your injury, so to speak. Do you feel... You feel more pressure. Do you feel like it's, it's because you're an underdog now? There's, there's not a lot of pressure because a lot of people expect the Cincinnati to win this game. Yeah, I mean, every time I walk on that field, I don't I don't think I'm an underdog, especially when I walk on Arrowhead's field. So uh, I just go in with the same mindset of we're going to play our best football to win. Um, we know we're playing a great football team that's beat us the last three times. Um, and so we have to learn from our mistakes in the past and be better um, in order to, to win against a great football team. Did you see the video? Is it required to Uh, I think we'll see throughout the week. Uh, I haven't got got to go out and practice yet and put myself in those positions. Uh, I've done limited stuff, kind of in a a small uh, small kind of box of what I can do. But uh, I'll push it a little bit today, and then, then the next day, and then the next day again, and see what I can do that not reaggravate the injury, obviously, but uh, to push it to see what, I, what I'll be able to do on Sunday. Any hesitation mentally? You know, considering last summer, feel that you want to have coming up on Sunday. Um, I'm, there was a little bit earlier in the week. I mean, you want to you want to push it, but you don't. Like I said, you don't want to re-aggravate it or do something that you were in the position this last game and it was hurting. But uh, that stuff that you do the rehab and then you do the treatment for is to uh, prepare yourself to go out and practice and go out and play. And um, uh, I mean, all you can do is keep pushing and pushing it and uh, try to do whatever you can to go out there and win a football game. Do it at home, but are you are you off your feet when you're at the house or you some stuff at home as well? Yeah, I mean, I haven't been at the house much. So uh, when I'm at the house, it's usually either studying or going to sleep. So uh, it's just kind of prepare yourself, uh, do whatever I can at the building, and then whenever I can get off my feet and get some sleep, then I'll, I'll go get some sleep. Looking at past legends that have played through major injuries, what, like, what's your awareness of some of them in the past, and like, what can you learn from that? Yeah, I mean, a lot of greats have, have done it. I mean, I think it's just about being a competitor. I mean, if you, you want to you be out there, and uh, especially in these games, um, and so all you can do is, is just mentally prepare yourself and your body throughout the week. And then, like I said, you get the game day. You just have to focus on the game. And uh, that, that's what I'll try to do is prepare my body the best I can and get to the game and just go out there and play and try to find a way to win. Hey, is this progress better than, than, than you expected? Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I, felt, I felt better than I thought I was going to be after the game. I mean, moving on it during the game definitely – Definitely hurt, um, but uh, after the game, I was able to rest it and kind of ice it up and do different stuff like that. I felt in a little bit better position, and obviously the next morning felt a little bit better, and I've continued to get better throughout the week. So uh, we'll, we'll see how I feel today at practice, and I'll get a better better feel for you all, and I'll be able to, I think, answer a little bit better tomorrow. Patrick, uh, this is a team you've faced a few times, like a division opponent. You guys know each other pretty well. You've been able to run on them. What has been the challenge trying to throw against that secondary? 
Yeah, they're coached well, man. Uh, uh, their defense coordinator, Coach Anarumo, has, has done a great job of changing up the game plan. I think that's been the best thing. Is very game plan specific. Uh, it's never the same. He gives you different looks out of the same the same look, but different coverages. And that's what I think a lot of great defense coordinators do is they're able to coach their team up and do a lot of different stuff and variety of stuff, but still be sound in it. And I think that's what they do well. And then they have great players. I mean, at the end of the day, they have great players that are, that are that are extremely coachable and go out there and do their job to the best of their ability. And so uh, when you're at this point in the playoffs we're playing against great teams and it's about who can execute at a higher level in, in in different ways for lack of better terms the Bengals have been a little vocal this week what's been the messaging in, internally just to not get involved with that and, and, and react and to that, to that type of stuff yeah, I mean, we just we just go out there and play football at the end of the day, and uh, all that stuff you can talk throughout the week, but at the end of the day, it's a football game. You have to go out there and play it, and so uh, we believe in just going, showing up on Sunday, playing our best football, and seeing what happens. We're going to go four more. We'll go Pahe, Todd, Steve, and then Sam. Patrick, a little, a little related to that, you're a lot more used to having winning streaks against other teams than having one going this way. I, how, do you, how do you work with that in terms of the motivational point there? I, I know you... You look for motivation in different places. Um, yeah, I mean, we've obviously lost this team three times in a row, and uh, they we've had great football games against them, but they've been able to beat us uh, situationally at the end of games. And so how can we be better there? Um, we know it's going to be a close football game. Uh, every team you play in this position is going to be a close football game. Um, but how can we be better situationally that we go out there and we're able to execute on third down in the red zone and at the end of games in order to, to win against a good football team? Uh, this gets in your head in a negative way in any way, right? I mean, I assume it's motivation rather than... Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know how it would be a negative way. I mean, if you... I think uh, you don't want to... You won't relax. You'll focus in even more on the details. So, uh, I mean, I'll be, we'll be ready to go, and I'll be ready to go for sure. Uh, they've done a, a nice job of putting pressure on a lot of how much of what they do is scheme stuff, and how much of it is just physically they're able to do something yeah, I think more than anything, they have no weakness uh, across that whole defensive line and that linebacker position. Uh, I mean, they do a good job of pass rushing. They do a good job with their DBs of rushing from the outside, and they keep changing it up. I think that's the biggest thing is you you can't you can't relax back there. You have to make sure that you're really focused on the details. And same with the offensive line and the running backs and the protection plan. So, uh, I mean, it's a little bit of both. They have they have great players all throughout that defense, and then they have a great a great coach and a defensive coordinator. So. Uh, for, for us, we have to focus on the details, prepare ourselves the best way possible, and at the end of the day, we have to go out there and play. Steve? Actually, you talked about you know working yourself back into the groove as far as you know, being able to uh, not be limited and moving around. What's, the, what's your message to the, the offensive line, knowing that you may be limited and not be able to move? Yeah, I think you saw in the second half this last game, man. Uh, they, they, they stepped up and did a great job of protecting me, and they were, I was able to throw the ball from within the pocket. Um, and I'm sure they'll be ready to go. But I'm, like I said, it's a great defensive line, so it'll be a great challenge for them. Um, but I, I'm excited for those guys to go out there and accept the challenge. Last one, Sam. Patrick, was that last game to give away? Was your game plan for those your game plan adjust? Not necessarily. Like I, like I was saying earlier, they're very game plan specific, and they switch every, every time it seems like we play them. Um, and so it's one of those teams you have to be preparing for everything. Um, Played them one time, they 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 pressure a little bit. We played them one time, they dropped a. We played them this last game, they played it more uh, kind of true to the coverages. So I'm I'm expecting them to have a mixture of all that stuff, man. I mean that's why they're in this position, um, and so you just prepare yourself to be ready for it and execute the play, and then move on to the next one. Thank you. Thanks, Pat. Thanks, Patrick. There he goes. That's Patrick Mahomes from yesterday talking to the media, breaking down this game, giving an update on his ankle, and I think that's what everybody is focusing on 
heading into this matchup against the Cincinnati Bengals. The line has already shifted back and forth a couple of times. First of all, it was Kansas City, I believe, at two and a half. Then it moved to one and a half. Then it moved to even, basically, a true pick'em game between Cincinnati and Kansas City. Then it was the Bengals favored by one. But as of this morning, it's back in favor of the Chiefs, a one-point favorite at home against Cincinnati. So uh, with this talk of Will Patrick Mahomes being underdog for the first time in his postseason career, maybe not anymore. Because clearly Vegas had a big shift there when finding out that Patrick Mahomes is the full participant. He wasn't hobbling around, and he should be probably over 90%. If he's not not hobbling around, he's a full participant, and he should be practicing the rest of the week, then there's no reason uh, to think that he would be anything less than about 90% in this game. Still think he will be a little bit immobilized against Cincinnati. You won't have 100% healed ligaments, and that will factor in. It's going to be cold, and no matter how much, you know, cortisone you shoot up into that ankle or anything to numb it, it's still going to affect you when you're being knocked around a bit, when it's cold out there, you're having to move around. That will play a factor in this game. But I think where we were two days ago as opposed to now, I think a lot of Chiefs fans are feeling better that Patrick Mahomes should be ready to go for this game. They're not going to have to limit the playbook because of the way that his ankle is. And we talked about that yesterday, right? Wanting to run the football, and that shouldn't change. I think you do want to run the football against the Cincinnati defense. You want to take some of that pressure off Patrick Mahomes. But I think we know with Andy Reid, we know with Eric Bieniemy, we know with Matt Nagy that they're not going to put Patrick Mahomes on a leash, for lack of a better term. They're not going to have him throw check down screen plays the entire game. They're going to ask him to do a lot because when you have a Hall of Fame quarterback, you need to be able to utilize that Hall of Fame quarterback, especially in the biggest game of the season to date. And you get past Cincinnati, then you have the next biggest game on the schedule with the Super Bowl. But you got to find a way to exercise these demons, beat this Cincinnati team, and erase the memory of what happened last year, erase the memory of what happened this year. Now, and to go to the Super Bowl in year one without Tyreek Hill in what everybody believed to be a soft rebuild type of year. It would be truly incredible. I mean, the fact the Chiefs got better after trading away a Hall of Fame wide receiver, uh, it just goes to show you what Brett Veach has done, what Andy Reid has done, what this coaching staff has done, what Patrick Mahomes has done. They're 15-3 and on the doorstep of winning their 16th game this year. Truly a remarkable, remarkable season, whether it's a win or loss. On Sunday, I understand people are going to be critical if they do lose. That'd be four in a row to the Bengals. You would lose once again at home in the AFC Championship game. You would then fall below 500 in those five AFC Championship games at home. It would not look good. But still, I think at times we take for granted just how good this franchise has become. The bare minimum is hosting an AFC title game. The bare minimum. Patrick Mahomes has yet to play on the road in the postseason. Joe Burrow has already played on the on the road in the postseason two times. This will be his third on Sunday. Josh Allen has played on the road in the postseason three times. So you have some of these top quarterbacks in the league, and they're still having to go play road playoff games. Patrick Mahomes has yet to venture outside of Arrowhead Stadium with the exception of the Super Bowl, and he's done that twice. And man, what an achievement it would be in your first five years as a starter to get to three Super Bowls. I mean, I understand there are two colossal games in front of you, but you got to take care of business first. You have to beat this Cincinnati team. But the true 
reality, I guess I would say, or to be able to grasp what would be a possibility if Patrick Mahomes wins this game, if he wins another Super Bowl, you're talking about five years in this league, or six years in this league, but five years as a starter. He will have won the AFC three times. He'll won the division every single year. He's on his way to his second MVP. If he wins a Super Bowl, two Super Bowl wins in five years, not saying he'll catch Brady, and I don't think he will catch Brady because the AFC is a lot more difficult now than it was when Brady was having his reign of terror with the Empire in New England over the rest of the AFC. I mean, you go back to the Tom Brady years in New England, there was one competitor. It was Peyton Manning. Everybody else is in the NFC. He didn't have to face Drew Brees in the playoffs. He didn't have to face Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs until he got to Tampa Bay 20 years later. You know, his division was weak. In the AFC West, you know, before Peyton Manning ventured to Denver, Phillip Rivers was his toughest matchup. Now, there was no quarterback in Kansas City. There was no quarterback in Oakland. You got Jake Plummer and Kyle Orton in Denver. I mean, the AFC North, yeah, there was Big Ben for a couple of those years. Cincinnati didn't have a quarterback. Baltimore had Joe Flacco nearing the tail end of his time in New England, or I guess the middle part of his time in New England. But for the most part, the AFC was not as dominant as it is now. And I think if Patrick Mahomes won three Super Bowls in this era, I don't care if he plays 15 to 20 years. Three Super Bowls in the current landscape of the NFL is quite an accomplishment. That should never be taken for granted. I think winning two Super Bowls is a lot. You think about how many great quarterbacks in this league only got there once or never got there at all. Dan Marino never won a Super Bowl. Now, Ben Roethlisberger won one or two Super Bowls, if I'm not mistaken. I'm leaning to two. Yeah, so Marco puts up two there. You know, Peyton Manning, how many did he win? He won one in Indianapolis. He won one in Denver. Two. And you talk about those guys being the greatest of all times. Brady's just on a, a different level winning seven. But you also have to factor in that, you know, New England played in a very weak division, the weakest division in the AFC. A lot of home playoff games, and you needed those back then. This time around, it's very important, but any team you face in the postseason is good enough to beat you. I mean, the AFC top to bottom is so loaded, and the fact that Patrick Mahomes has never ventured out of Arrowhead Stadium for a playoff game, with the exception of a Super Bowl, is incredible. But there is so much on the line for this game. Bragging rights, of course, but I think legacy. Uh, this is a legacy game. I'm not going to go as far to say that Joe Burrow would be the best quarterback in the NFL if he beats Patrick Mahomes, but it's tough to overcome an 0-4 start against another quarterback and against another team that is considered equal to you. I know that you're a little bit banged up, but this is quite the legacy game. You cannot have Joe Burrow and the Bengals eliminate you back-to-back years at home in the postseason. You just can't do it. You have to have an over-my-dead-body type of game. The Chiefs need to have everything locked and loaded and ready to throw the kitchen sink at Cincinnati. I'm sure they're preparing for that. I'm sure Cincinnati's prepared for the Chiefs to do that. But I would really call this one a legacy game. It's good to hear that Patrick Mahomes is doing better. He was a full participant yesterday. Everybody practiced in some capacity yesterday, even McCole Hardman. He was a limited participant with a pelvis injury. So you're getting healthy, getting healthy at the right time, and right before the biggest game of the season. Who knows what Patrick Mahomes looks like on Sunday? We can only speculate. 
what that ankle's going to feel like or look like on Sunday. But so far, it's been good news out of Kansas City. We'll take our first break of the show. When we come back, let's take a deeper dive into the other big game this weekend between Philly and the 49ers. That's next on 94.5 FM and 1510 AM ESPN, Kansas City. About 30 minutes left to go here on The Shift on 94.5 FM and 1510 AM in Kansas City. Hi, I'm your host, Jack Johnson, alongside Marco Marquez. So the first game kicking off on Sunday will be the NFC Championship game between the two-seeded 49ers and the top-seeded Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles, a two-and-a-half-point favorite, the over-under at 46-and-a-half. That'll kick off at 2 p.m. on Fox. Now, Brock Purdy has yet to lose an NFL game to kick off his career. Never lost. He's had some tight games. He's already won two postseason games. Now, those two postseason games were at home. He beat the Seattle Seahawks. He beat the Dallas Cowboys. This will be the first time he's ventured on the road in the postseason, which is funny because we just brought up how Patrick Mahomes has never left Arrowhead Stadium. Brock Purdy already doing it in year one. In fact, not even a full year into his career. But I think there's a couple different ways you could assess this game, break it down, uh, make your picks, because Philly is a very dominant, forceful, lethal, scary team. They're 15-3 and overall. They just bludgeoned a divisional rival in the New York Giants. I mean, absolutely mopped the floor with them, ran the ball down their throats, Jalen Hurts didn't even have to do that much. Kenneth Gainwell had 112 on the ground. Miles Sanders had over 90. Boston Scott made an impact. You know, even A.J. Brown didn't even get that many targets in the game. But Philly just overwhelmed the Giants. Now, you can look at that a couple different ways. You could say, all right, they were the number one seed. They had to buy. They weren't rusty. They were well prepared for that game. They're that damn good. They just dominated the Giants team that beat the Vikings on the road. It was still a playoff Giants team. You can't criticize them or say they're a bad football team. Yeah, they're ahead of schedule, but they did find a way to win a road playoff game. And not many teams that overachieve can do that. Usually it it stops on a dime there. That season concludes right there. Because the Giants already overachieved by making the postseason. But then they move on and they have a, a puncher's chance. You know, Maybe they can catch the Eagles off guard and the Eagles were... So prepared for that game, so ready to rip somebody's head off, that it got ugly quickly. That game was over 10 minutes in. So you can look at it that way. Well prepared, needed the rest, got healthier, dominated the postseason team, and a team they had now seen three times on the year. Or you can look at it the other way and say, you know, they had a bye and they played a subpar Giants team that is, of course, way ahead of schedule, played a very overrated Vikings team, and they were never going to have a chance against Philly. No, Daniel Jones, not sold on him. You know, they do have Saquon Barkley, they do have Darius Slayton, but a lot of question marks offensively. On the defensive side of the ball, they were never going to be able to slow down 
that offensive attack, that running attack of the Philadelphia Eagles. In fact, the Giants, the only way they would be able to win that game is if they ran for over 250, 300 yards against the Eagles' defense. So you can look at it that way. You either can say, Eagles were well-prepared, beat a team for the third time in one year. That's impressive in its own. Postseason or not, that's really hard to do. Or you can look at it and go, I think the Eagles lucked out a little bit. They got to get the Giants. The Niners got to get the Cowboys. So Philly, nonetheless, is moving on. They're in the NFC Championship game. They took care of business. They they played who was ahead of them. They can't control that. That's up to everybody else. So they sat, it, sat waited one week, had the bye, and then awaited the Giants and just dominated New York. The Niners, on the other hand, have played two games in the postseason. They got the Seahawks, played them for the third time on the year, and just ran them out of the building. They were down at halftime, still won by three scores. That's just the Niners this year. The defense can hound you, can turn the game on its ear. Brock Purdy doesn't make many mistakes, and they take care of business against Seattle. Then they take on Dallas, and that is where I was a little bit skeptical of Brock Purdy in, in facing a top-10 defense. That is a very scary Dallas defense. You have to worry about Micah Parsons. You have to worry about a guy like Trayvon Diggs. You have to worry about that defensive line, that front four, the pass rush that they can bring. And i got an athletic linebacking core starting with Leighton Vanderesh. No, it is a very talented group and a very physical group and one that can get after you. And Brock Purdy didn't have an exceptional game against Dallas, but once again, he did enough. Who made more mistakes, Dak or Brock Purdy? It was Dak, and that's what this game came down to. So now you have that grinded-out, rock-fight type of win in the postseason, now both at home. If that game's in Dallas, maybe it is on the flip side. Maybe it is Dak Prescott going to Philly and playing the Eagles, but that's just not the reality. The Niners got two home playoff games, and now you'll go on the road, and Brock Purdy will face the most hostile crowd he's ever faced his entire life. And he'll face maybe the scariest pass rush he's ever seen in his entire life. So I am leaning toward Philly in this one. Because if I'm playing the odds here, if I'm a betting man, no rookie quarterback has ever led his team to the Super Bowl. Not in his first year. No rookie quarterback has ever led his team to the Super Bowl. Do I think Mr. Irrelevant can do it? And that's not a knock if you don't know what Mr. Relevant means. It just means you're the last pick in the draft. So Brock Purdy, in his first year, never lost. Now going into Philly, the NFC Championship game, and has the task of beating a 15-win team. I think defensively, the Niners can hang with the Eagles' offense. Now, there are a couple of pro bowlers on that offensive line of Philly as well. So I think that matchup does favor the Eagles offensively. I am just very curious to see how Brock Purdy handles a road postseason game. Kyle Shanahan won't be asking him to do too much. Like we've said before, I mean, probably 20 to 25 passing attempts, maybe 30 if this gets into a shootout. But you can utilize Christian McCaffrey. You can utilize Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk. You've got those guys at your disposal. Now, the Eagles, I think the only concern would be, all right, Jalen Hurts looked good last week, but he played a... Giants team rolling in with house money. Now you get a legitimate top dog, a top def- contending team. Now they're not at full strength at quarterback, but it's starting to prove that maybe Brock Purdy was the best of the bunch. Better than Jimmy G, better than Trey Lance. 
So maybe this really is the full-strength, uh, best version of the San Francisco 49ers. The Eagles coming off their win against the Giants, though, will probably try to establish the run early on. And that may dictate this game. If Kenneth Gainwell, Miles Sanders, Boston Scott are picking up chunk yardage, you're talking over five yards a carry, uh, the Eagles are going to win this game by seven to ten points. Because we haven't even seen Jalen Hurts' arm in a couple of weeks. You may have seen him be a little bit reserved, a little bit conservative. It's all on the line on Sunday afternoon. And the Niners are going to need to put a ton of pressure, I would say. I wouldn't even say, you know, we talked about Joe Burrow yesterday. The Chiefs want to pressure him a little bit about, or a little around 20 to 25% on all of his dropbacks there. I think the San Francisco 49ers, which they're capable of doing, really need to put Jalen Hurts under duress. Because this Eagles offense has shown they've got a little bit of that knockout punch that we talked about with Kansas City and Buffalo. They don't methodically beat you. They can beat you with a knockout punch. And the way they set it up is establishing the run. You know, a couple jabs of the abdomen. That's their running game. And then when you're not expecting it, they go straight for the teeth. But the 49ers also can withstand those type of punches because of their defense. They made some brutal mistakes last weekend against Dallas. Offense wasn't very sharp. Ray-Ray McLeod fumbled a punt. But time in and time out, that 49ers defense stepped up to the plate and came through. They kept the offense in it. And I think they will need to keep this game a little bit low scoring for Brock Purdy to be on the winning side of it. This gets into a high 30s, mid-30s shootout. I'm going to lean towards Philly because Philly has shown against really good teams this year they can put up a high volume of points. I don't want to put too much into home field advantage here because I've seen really good teams lose at home in the last couple of games. Really good teams falter. Teams that were favored falter at home. I just think it's a different beast up there in Philly. NFC title game. And a really dangerous Eagles team. Especially on the offensive side of the ball. But give credit to the defense. That's a top 10 defense. That is the number one pass rushing defense in the NFL. That poses problems for a rookie quarterback. I don't care if it's a rookie version of Patrick Mahomes, a rookie version of Joe Burrow, a rookie version of Lamar Jackson, a rookie version of Brock Purdy. Hell, it could be a rookie version of Tom Brady. Paid Manning, no Paid Manning wasn't that good. But you're talking about Hall of Famers here. Joe Montana, Dan Marino, Terry Bradshaw. I don't care what rookie quarterback it is. You face the number one pass rush in the NFL on the road, NFC Championship game, or a title game for that matter, it's not as easy as just doing exactly what you did the previous seven or eight games. You have to be a little bit different. You have to have that extra adrenaline, that different type of blood in your system. I think Brock Purdy's shown he's got the potential of that, but this is that type of game where you can really earn your stripes. See, he's earned a couple of stripes already, but he has the chance to do what no rookie quarterback has ever done. And to do it on the road against the number one team in the NFC, I think it's a much taller task than he's ever been put up against. And at some point, when you're playing the odds, a rookie quarterback is going to make those mistakes. And I think they do happen on Sunday afternoon. So give me the Eagles to win and cover that two-and-a-half-point spread. The over-under is set at 46-and-a-half. I'll go with the under in this game. Two great defenses. I'll go... 23-20 Philly uh, in a thrilling game up in Philadelphia.
So I'll go with the Eagles here. Marco, what say you? You going with the Niners and Brock Purdy, or will you roll with Jalen Hurts and the Eagles? Rolling with Jalen Hurts and the Eagles to cover and win this game. Um, I With that, hit the under also, so we're the same there. The only way I can see the 49ers really staying in this with Brock Purdy is if um, it's going to be about the counterattack of Kyle Shanahan. If there's something about the Eagles offensively and defensively, they come at you and they come at you hard and they throw everything in the kitchen sink out at you. Don't be surprised if Kyle Shanahan comes back with a counter because that's where kind of the difference between these two teams are is the level of coaching and what they've been able to do and where they're at. Although Shanahan's been knocked for his coaching before in the past, uh, he can definitely get you on the other end. So that's the only that's the only concerning thing to me in this one. If the 49ers are going to have a chance, it's because they have a good counterattack for whatever the Eagles' uh, game plan is um, going into that game. Yeah, I think the Niners are really going to have to eliminate that over-the-top type of play when you think about A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. And the way the Eagles set that up, of course, is through their running game. And when they got a trio of running backs, and if they're picking up chunk yardage, what is San Francisco have to do? They have to bring guys in. And I think the matchup will be, if I'm not mistaken, Charvarius Ward on A.J. Brown. Should be number one on number one. Number one on number one. And and I know A.J. Brown was a little bit upset that he didn't get the targets that he wanted in the NFC Divisional round against New York. I'd imagine he is going to be targeted a hell of a lot more in this game because they are going to need that connection between Hurts and Brown to win it. And for the 49ers, they're going to need Ward to win those one-on-one battles against one of the top receivers in the NFL. We'll take our second break of the show today. When we come back, Nathaniel Hackett has a new job. No, not a head coaching job, but he will be the OC somewhere. We'll tell you where that place is next on 94.5 FM and 1510 AM ESPN, Kansas City. We are back here on The Shift on 94.5 FM and 1510 AM ESPN Kansas City. I'm your host, Jack Johnson, alongside Marco Marquez. Well, somehow, someway, Nathaniel Hackett got another job at the NFL level. The former head coach of the Denver Broncos, who didn't even make it through year one, never finished the entire year, was brought in to revolutionize the Broncos' offense coming over from Green Bay, You brought in Russell Wilson, you had Cortland Sutton, you had Tim Patrick, had Javante Williams, had a great defense to work with. The Broncos were going to win the AFC West. They were going to host an AFC title game. They now had the best quarterback in the AFC, and uh, Nathaniel Hackett never made it through year one. Did not make it through the full 17-game schedule. He was canned before that. But clearly one team in the AFC thinks there's still something in the tank thinks that maybe he was in over his head a little bit as a head coach, but where he does thrive and where he has thrived before is in the offensive coordinator role. He did in Green Bay, though he did it with a Hall of Fame quarterback, but this time it's the New York Jets hiring Nathaniel Hackett as their next offensive coordinator to work with Robert Sala and a team that, let's be quite honest, doesn't have a quarterback. So... I'm not sure how Nathaniel Hackett fixed that. He went with working with back-to-back Hall of Fame quarterbacks. One of them worked out, one of them not so much. But the Jets clearly view him as a guy that can turn around this offense a little bit, bring a new identity, more creativity. And maybe that just is the case with a lot of guys in this league. A lot of failed head coaches. 
You know, we've seen guys really bottom out as head coaches, but still were damn good coordinators. Like, I think Romeo Cornell was not a good head coach. He dealt with a lot. He had to deal with one of the more flawed, on-the-field and off-the-field type of teams in the 2012 Kansas City Chiefs, but Romeo Cornell still had success as a defensive coordinator. Thank Dan Quinn, too. Dan Quinn did lead the Atlanta Falcons to the Super Bowl, but then was eventually canned. And Dallas hired him as the defensive coordinator, and now he's one of the best defensive coordinators in the NFL. There are just guys that work better as coordinators as opposed to head coaches. You know, I think a guy like Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien was a great offensive coordinator. In fact, New England brought him back. But he was a terrible head coach, a terrible general manager. Maybe Nathaniel Hackett is just that. I don't know, though. It, the NFL is such a tough business, and there's very few times that a guy can be fired in year one, especially in a year where you didn't have immense expectations. I think you thought the team was going to be better. I maybe was overshooting it with Denver being the best team in the AFC, winning you know the division and hosting an AFC title game and having the best quarterback. But I think a lot of people expected Denver to be a playoff team. Because they went out, got Russell Wilson, they had a good defense, they had good weapons. All they needed was that franchise quarterback, and Russell Wilson had a career-worst year. So somebody had to fall on the sword, and that guy was Nathaniel Hackett. But it wasn't like Nathaniel Hackett was coaching you know, the Bills, who were Super Bowl favorites, and then the Bills went 5-12. and 12. Like That's not going to keep you your job. You know, Denver was a bad football team this year, in fact, one of the worst. I just think that the Broncos have become very impatient and they've made a lot of mistakes with their head coaching hires. But the reason the NFL is such a tough business is because if you fail as a head coach, there is a very good chance you never get that chance again. There is a very strong chance that Nathaniel Hackett never coaches another game as a head coach at the NFL level. He could be a coordinator, he could be an OC, he could be a quarterback's coach, he could be a passing coordinator, he could be all those things. But the NFL is such a tough business because if you fail in your first go-around, you usually don't get another chance, which is why it was very impressive to see a guy like a Brian Dayball you know, come over from Buffalo to the Giants and thrive, take this Giants team to the NFC Divisional Round, year one. Whether it goes poorly the next couple of years, people will look back to that first year and go, okay. Brian Dayball did that. You know, Brandon Staley is a guy I'm shocked. It may get a third year. You know, he was subpar in year one, didn't think much better in year two, likely going to get a third year. Some guys can just benefit from having a really good quarterback like Justin Herbert and a loaded roster. Zach Taylor kind of went through a rebuilding phase, but got to the Bengals in the Super Bowl, got him back to the AFC title game. Whether the Bengals bought him out next year or the year after that, people can look to Zach Taylor and go, all right, we can give you a chance, whether you're fired in Cincinnati or not. So you have these first-year head coaches. Kevin O'Connell's another one with the Minnesota Vikings. They fraudulent 13-14, and 14, but they won 13 games. Can't complain about that. You know, Even a guy like Lovey Smith, who was fired after one year in Houston, he's been to a Super Bowl. So Lovey Smith can get another chance. The difference with Nathaniel Hackett is he failed drastically in year one. And you typically don't get another chance if you don't even make it through year one. I mean, people looked at that 
duo of Russell Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett and said, man, that is going to be a scary combination. Look out, Kansas City. You've got a new top dog in this conference. And it couldn't have gone worse. You know, Russell Wilson coming over from an offense in Seattle that didn't really fit the offensive scheme. Hackett coming over from Green Bay dealing with Aaron Rodgers. He didn't have the same weapons. He didn't have the same style. He didn't have an Aaron Jones. He didn't have a Devontae Adams. And I think he tried to replicate that with Cortland Sutton, Javante Williams, and it didn't work out. But Nathaniel Hackett at least has another job that pays at the NFL level and a damn good one at that. An offensive coordinator role for the New York Jets. Now, Marco, I guess the biggest question, and you may be asking yourself, why are we talking about the Jets when we're a couple days away from the AFC Championship game? Well, Nathaniel Hackett does have some ties here in the AFC West, so people want to know what's next for a guy like Nathaniel Hackett. But can Nathaniel Hackett even succeed if the Jets don't do their part and get him a quarterback? They're not drafting top five, unless I missed some trade they made. The Jets had a chance to make the postseason at one point. Robert Sala had a very good year, too, in New York. Problem is, they used three quarterbacks. Zach Wilson, who they don't seem to trust anymore. Joe Flacco is pretty much a walking corpse at this point. And then Mike White, who nearly lost his career by getting hit so hard against Buffalo in the week after that. So you use three guys. None of them are really the future of the New York Jets. So can you succeed at this position if you're Nathaniel Hackett if you're dealing with three different quarterbacks? Well, I mean, you're brought in to help the team succeed. So, you know, he could have declined the job if he doesn't think he's going to be able to succeed at this job, succeed here. So, yeah, absolutely. I think that he can um, do well and put the Jets over the hump that they're wanting to do. Um, a team, A team like you mentioned, New York Giants, talked about the Giants. Jets could have been could have easily been that team in the AFC this year, um, but just kind of felt just kind of just kind of fell short because it, it is it is or ended up being a tougher conference this year. So they saw success with the quarterbacks that they have already. Um, bringing in Nathaniel Hackett for a turnaround, uh, possibly looking at the cap space right now for the Jets. They're coming in. They're so far. Two negative two million below the cap as of now, heading into the offseason. So they're going to have to move some money around um, if they're going to look for a quarterback outside of it, outside of what they have already. And let's not forget, they could dust off the old blueprint of what we kind of expect or what people expected or were predicting last year when he was hired in Denver, and that's bringing in the Aaron Rodgers. Maybe that's the sort, maybe they try, maybe they see it, they can try to turn what was supposed what we thought was going to happen in Denver and make it happen now in New York I did see that report a couple of days ago that the Jets were one of the AFC teams in the running or I wouldn't even say in the running or one of the potential destinations for Aaron Rodgers if Green Bay decided to trade him and maybe that's why New York went out and got Nathaniel Hackett you want to have an enticing spot for Aaron Rodgers yes New York the Big Apple that they play in Jersey, but bright lights, different scenery than Green Bay. I mean, Aaron Rodgers played his entire year, yeah. or entire career, excuse me, in Green Bay, Wisconsin. A very small market. In fact, the smallest market in sports. You go to New York, much bigger market, different type of pressure, 
but maybe the Jets are kind of slow playing this. You know, piecing together a team that would be enticing to him. I mean, I think Randall Cobb is a free agent, but that's another move you could make to bring him in and, I guess, want Aaron Rodgers to go to New York. Now, it's up to Green Bay. Green Bay could say, hey, we're not trading him. We're going to need a hell of a lot in return if we're trading Aaron Rodgers after giving him a massive contract this last offseason. But maybe that's why the Jets made that move, because that's the only reason I would really think it makes any sense. You don't have a quarterback, you want Aaron Rodgers to go get his former offensive coordinator, because Nathaniel Hackett was an absolute and utter disaster uh, in Denver. Not great offensively, was horrible with clock management, horrible with game management, never really led the team. That team looked lifeless from week one on. That Denver team was just a dead man running ever since Nathaniel Hackett took over, and he didn't make it through the entire year. And I think the Denver front office saw they were a dead man walking, which is why they made that change. But the Jets go, all right, he wasn't a great head coach, but you know what he can be? Maybe a lure, bait to get Aaron Rodgers here. And maybe if we can get Rodgers and Hackett back on the same page, you could have a team that could compete for a wild card spot, maybe even compete within your own division in the AFC East. All right, it's time for some fact or fiction. Five questions, five takes in under five minutes. Marco, fire away. Sorry, I'm just going through the Jets' spot track right now. Corey Davis is the highest. I was going to say they, they offensive <laughs> player right now on the team. They've got some money to spend <laughs> if they wanted to. They could take on that contract. Exactly. Uh, fact or fiction, Jack. Patrick Mahomes throws for more than 280 yards on Sunday. He's really been limited when facing Cincinnati in his career. I think with the exception of that first go-around. Well, the AFC title game, he was on fire. I mean, he was nuclear in that AFC title game last year. Wasn't he like 14 of 15 to start the game? It never Three been. touchdowns, Hardman had two, Kelsey had one. Uh, you could have not played better in the first half than Patrick Mahomes. Then he followed up with playing the worst half of his football career, which led to a loss to Cincinnati. In this last go-around, in Cincinnati the regular season, he played okay. I would say. Didn't make too many mistakes. Missed a couple of big throws, but didn't have the high yardage total. Playoffs are different, though. And I think it also depends on that ankle. And over 280 would be, oof. That that is really being generous, I think. Because he doesn't need to throw over 280 to win this game. He can play within the system here and win it with 230, 240 yards passing, a couple of touchdowns, as long as he doesn't turn it over. I think the Bengals drop eight again, and I think Patrick Mahomes is smart enough in this go-around to take what they're giving you. Not trying to force the issue, and if he's not trying to force the issue, I think he'll stay under that 280 mark. So I'm going to take the under. I'll go fiction, not over 280 on Sunday. Factor fiction, Isaiah Pacheco rushes for more than 75 yards and a touchdown. Listen, the Chiefs can run on Cincinnati. That's the thing. It's just been Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy abandoning the running game. I'm not sure why. I don't know why you go away from something that's working. But Isaiah Pacheco showed in the divisional round matchup against the Jacksonville Jaguars that he truly is one of the better backs, if not the best back the Chiefs have had since Kareem Hunt. There were three running backs taken in this last year's draft that had over 800 yards rushing on the season. Pacheco, who was the last running back taken, is one of those guys. And he didn't even start till week seven. I think he's due for another big game. I think he will be able to run on the Cincinnati defense. I'll go fact. I think he'll have over 75 rushing yards and a touchdown against that Bengals D. Factor fiction, the Eagles sack Brock Purdy more than three and a half times. 
I don't know if I can go as far to say four sacks in that game because of Mike McGlinchey, because of Trent Williams. I'm going to go fiction on that because Brock Purdy does get the ball out pretty quickly. I think the only way that happens is if there's an injury or two to the offensive line or Brock Purdy looks like a deer in the headlights. He runs into a couple of sacks. We've seen rookies do that where they're rolling out or they step up in the pocket when they shouldn't. That's the only way it happens, but I do think Brock Purdy will stay within his own, stay within the system, and just take a couple of those check down routes and get the ball out in one to two seconds. So I'll go Fiction, not over three and a half sacks for that Eagles pass rush. Factor Fiction, the Eagles win the turnover battle. I'll go Fact. I think if they're going to win, they're going to have to win the turnover battle, though I think Jalen Hurts is more prone to turnovers than Brock Purdy has shown in these first couple games of his career, but I think if Philly's going to win, they got to win that turnover battle, and I believe Philly does win, so I'll go fact on that. And lastly, fact or fiction, Nathaniel Hackett gets another head coaching job. Yeah, I think we talked about this a little bit extensively. Uh, I'm going to go fiction on that. You can't be fired in year one when you have that type of roster and expect to get another job. He could be an interim head coach. Maybe they fire Robert Sala, and there's Nathaniel Hackett taking over for the Jets, but I just don't see him getting another job because that is such a scarring thing that happened when being fired before the end of year one in Denver. So I will stick with fiction. Nathaniel Hackett will not get another head coaching job in the NFL. There is Ray Charles, so it's time to go. That wraps up another edition of The Shift on 94.5 FM and 1510 AM ESPN Kansas City. I've been your host, Jack Johnson, alongside Marco Marquez. We'll wrap up the week tomorrow at 10 AM. You take it easy, Kansas City. Okay.